Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Inside Try Show with Helen Murray. This is the podcast that takes a deeper look at the sport with in-depth interviews and special episodes to keep you entertained and inspired while you're training. Perfect. And over to you. Hello and welcome to episode 190 of the Inside Tri Show. I'm Helen Murray and each week on the Inside Tri Show, I bring you awesome interviews from triathlon and beyond. If you heard last week's episode with Tom Bishop, you will be happy to know that we have another Tom on the podcast this week. It is Tom Davis. Oh, by the way, no, before you jump to conclusion, it might not be that Tom Davis that you're thinking about. (laughs) There's actually two Tom Davises uh, who are British professional triathletes with the same name, just to confuse us all. So this Tom Davis actually has a bit of a different background. He cycled around the world when he was 19 in 2015. He did his first Ironman in 2019. And in autumn of 2022, he gained his professional license. So he's got a cool backstory and you're going to be hearing all about that. Also, listen out for a scholarship and mentoring opportunity from another professional triathlete. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to the wonderful patrons who support this podcast and enable me to bring you an episode every single week. If you like what I do, if you want to join them, head over to patreon.com forward slash inside try show. Thank you as well for all the comments about the Pan-Celtic episode with partner in crime, Lowry. We are trying to pin down a time that we can record a bit of a follow-up for you. It's just with busy people. So trying to find that time that we can both do is always a bit tricky, but it will be coming your way. I, I, I'm confident that we'll make it happen. So yeah, hopefully listen out for that over the next week or two. In the meantime, Katie, you said, what an adventure. That 33% descent 
God, that's a difficult thing. 33% descent into prostatin is hairy enough in a car. I cannot imagine riding it on a bike. John, you said, is this a three hour long episode? I imagine you have a lot to talk about. David, you also wanted to hear more. Laura, you said, I'm glad the pizza vending machines featured along with so much other food. I got hungry listening. Well done, though, for getting so much material en route. It's really not easy thank you Laura because it no it's not because <laughs> it's almost like the last thing you want to do isn't it but I'm glad I'm glad we got the phone out when we did to, to record but yeah you said I love the insight that pairs riding isn't necessarily easier especially when you get out of sync with stops and I hadn't realized how blooming wet it was I suppose people mostly took photos in the dry, but such an epic achievement and it's definitely given me food for thought. Felicity, you said this was a great lesson, but all I can think is how have you never seen a hedgehog? Ride fixed or die trying? You said, I love this podcast. Thank you. By the way, they did Pan-Celtic on a fixie. Yes just incredible. Simon, you said this was the most fun I have heard in a long time. Well done both. Stephen, you said I'm halfway through. Great the way you both battled through adversity, the crash, the mechanicals, the pain, the bonking, the deluge of rain, and of course got help from strangers for the cleat replacement. I am looking forward to the exciting finish. Stephen, I hope it didn't disappoint. Kate, you made me laugh, I won't lie. You said I absolutely loved listening to this podsy. And I absolutely will not be putting that on my bucket list. Time for this week's interview. Tom Davis doesn't doesn't really have a conventional background as a professional triathlete. He cycled around the world at the age of 19. He wrote a book about it while studying for an engineering degree and combining that with cycle racing as well while he was at university. But the dream of doing sport as a living never disappeared. And within four years, Tom has gone from doing his first triathlon to getting his professional license. Tom Davis, welcome to the Inside Tri Show. Tom, how is it going? Uh, it's going very well, Helen. Thank you for having me. It's, it's good. a pleasure I... to be here. Well, thank you. And thank you for coming on because um, I I was doing, I was probably just like having a little bit of a scroll through Instagram and probably saw someone who had like tagged you and I probably clicked on it and was like, oh, he sounds interesting. <laughs> That's very kind of you to say thanks. Um, I think a lot of people, because there's another British pro called Tom Davis, so a lot of people mistake the two of us. Um, but no, I appreciate you. Thing that might be interesting <laughs> well the bit the bit that really got me tom was uh, in probably many you know lots of your profiles and things like that it's like tom davis round the world and when you were 19 you became the youngest person right to cycle around the world at the age of 19 is that yes, correct that is, that is correct um so yeah no I, yeah i guess i still live off that a little bit in my instagram handle but um <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's something I did. So I am I am intrigued because I I think lots of people when they're you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen might think oh, I might go travelling for a bit. I don't mm. know that many people who would think at that age I want to cycle around the world. <laughs> what 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 was it that kind of kicked it off for you, Tom? Um, I guess it was kind of an iterative process and. It was sparked from that same desire to travel that a lot of people have. So I was 17, so in my penultimate year of school and kind of realised I, I knew that I wanted to take a break 
before university so it was I was trying to come up with ideas of what I wanted to do during that year and I was into cycling at the time I didn't race bikes but I loved cycling so eventually I kind of came up with the idea of oh maybe I could take my bike to like certain cool places around the world and go cycling there so you know mix that travel and cycling um and I had these like places kind of dotted on a map and I was thinking of a way to join them up and I was thinking god getting between them is logistically going to be a nightmare and then eventually it kind of evolved like oh why don't I try to like cycle between them and from there it became why don't I just do the whole thing I guess and cycle around the world and it yeah it completely changed once I had that idea in my head because those iconic places that I perhaps wanted to visit very quickly vanished from the itinerary because you know a lot of the the stunning places that you think of when you're cycling include mountains and as soon as I decided I wanted to cycle around the world I was like as flat as possible please um so it, it definitely changed but I, I guess that's where the inception of the idea came from and once I yeah once I came up with that that idea and I kind of looked it up on Google and there was someone else who'd like done it or a few people had done it and it was like oh this is actually a thing so come back out now (laughs) and when when did you know that actually if you did do it you would be effectively a record breaker yeah um I guess it would have been fairly early on in that process I don't know exactly um because that was never that was never the motivation for doing it and so I, I should clarify I'm not I'm no longer the youngest person to have done it someone okay. has a couple of people actually have gone younger than me um I was the first teenager so you know I kind of stand by that um but yeah that was never the motivation and actually Guinness World Records I got in touch with them as you do for any record and they said they won't verify this record because they no longer I don't know whether their stance has changed on it since then, but at the time they no longer kind of verified youngest person records, I think to discourage pushy parents or whatever. Um, and although that was a bit annoying in, in hindsight, it saved me a lot of um, logistical admin in terms of like verifying that I'd been to certain places, but I still wanted to do the record like by the guidelines that they would have set out. So yeah I don't know my record was never Guinness official if that makes sense so maybe that um took some of the pressure off and yeah it was it was almost just a cool little a cool little bonus and yeah yeah it wasn't it wasn't something I kind of kept track of yeah like massively if that makes sense and Tom when you had this idea of right well I want to cycle around the world what mm-hmm. did your family and what did friends think of it all? Oh, um, to my to my face, my family were incredibly supportive. Um, I think my mum was probably questioning why I couldn't just be satisfied sticking to Europe, um, and you know, rightly so. I um, as I've got older, it kind of blows my mind how brave my parents were and how supportive they were I think it's incredible and I'm eternally grateful for that um and yet to, to my face most people I came across were incredibly supportive I think outside of my parents and those closely involved in kind of the planning or who knew me 
perhaps didn't quite grasp the scale of it so kind of I'd say I was doing this thing and they'd be like oh yeah that's cool and then just move on and that was fine for me like I wasn't doing it to blow people's minds um but I think yeah people a lot of people didn't really kind of grasp the concept but even even those who did everyone was very very supportive to my face I had very few uh naysayers if you could call them that um only I think only three people told me that I was biting off more than I could chew and And you're like I'm gonna show you I'm gonna prove you wrong (laughs) yeah pretty much um yeah one of them was very nice about it and two of them weren't as nice and I sort of just shrugged it off and stopped chatting to them (laughs) had you done much cycling you said you liked bikes but had, had you ridden very far before you set off I I don't I thought I had it's it's kind of weird looking back at my training now because what I do now I obviously train a reasonable amount and I go back and look at the training I was doing before I set off and I'm like Jesus what well, I rode once a week or like what are they doing <laughs> how did I think I could do this um but no, I, I yeah I, I guess I I rode more than once a week um I couldn't put a number on it because without going back because I don't remember but um when I was so I started cycling at I think 14 15 my dad got me into it and I mean immediately fell in love with it but as I said I wasn't racing I wasn't competitive and wasn't I now learn I wasn't that serious I thought I was and when I was 15 uh, my dad and I cycled from London to Chamonix in the Alps over eight days so that I guess was like a mini trip we did like I guess like 18 miles a day and yeah I don't I don't know I guess I just thought I think the way I was cycling is because I was going out with my dad and his mates you know I wasn't cycling all that much but I could I would do 80 miles on the weekend without really thinking about it and having since met other people who were cycling at that age and they'd be like oh my god I, I never rode that far when I was that young and although I wasn't training specifically I was I guess I did have that kind of endurance built up that maybe others didn't at that age as much so um yeah I I don't know it's I I wasn't riding as much as I thought I was but at the same time I never I never really stopped to think about what I was undertaking it was more I believed I could do it so why not give it a crack (laughs) and and do you still have that mentality now in in life from you know having learned from that like I believed I could do it I gave it a crack and I succeeded Mm. I I would like to think so I guess um it's only really with hindsight that I could say that for sure and maybe it's more for the other people around me to say I think applying it to something like pro triathlon is very different because suddenly I'm competing against other people rather than just myself so you know, for me to come out and be like, oh, I believe I can be number one in the world. That's a very different situation to going out and just being like, I can, I can push myself through this. So I think it depends on the situation, but I think I still, uh, in my, in my book, I kind of talked about being naively ambitious. And I think that still sums it up quite well. And I think I still, I'd like to think I still possess that, um, you know, whether it's going on a long trail run, like I'm out in the Alps at the moment. And last year I kind of ran up a fairly tall mountain with that, with not much experience or without much thinking about it. Um, 
you know so yeah I'd like to think I still have that (laughs) I I quite like that as a quality though naively ambitious because you're always going to stretch your comfort zone well exactly and I think that was the whole reason behind it is I think a lot of I think so many people uh, believe their limits are much closer than they are and yeah especially when it's a battle just with yourself I think you can really surprise yourself with what you're capable of so my kind of ethos is yeah just give it a go work hard and you know if it doesn't come off it doesn't really matter just but it probably will <laughs> how tough was it going from having had you know this year before university you spent most of it on a bike mm. to then going into student life and actually having to be at lectures at certain times and having more to worry about than just riding your bike and making sure you were eating and and keeping those pedals turning yeah I I didn't find it that difficult at the time actually I um you know when I when I decided to cycle around and when I cycle around the world and when I was cycling around the world I always I always had it in my head that after doing that I was going to uni so I was always prepared for that next step mentally and uni was something I was looking forward to so it's interesting because I've spoken to a couple of the other younger people who didn't cycle around the world I did a little talk with two of them in a cycling cafe a couple of years ago and they asked me how I dealt with finishing because it was something they really struggled with and the truth is like I never had that problem and I've since realized it's because I I just moved on I didn't dwell on it I didn't process it I didn't really think about it um for better or worse I'm not saying that's a good thing but I just moved on with my life and returned to normality really quite quickly and it wasn't until writing my book that I kind of processed everything that had happened and I think I think that was ultimately a good thing because I was another two years more mature and I was able to kind of uh, digest the things that had happened better. So, yeah, I think it was ultimately a good thing. But then the it just meant that the transition from finishing actually didn't hit me that hard. Thankfully, I guess. Yeah, thankfully. The um, you've you've mentioned in your book a couple of times, right? How... Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I no, no. In a good... it too much. Totally <laughs> plug it. Totally plug it. If I. If you've written a book, seriously, what my what I was going to ask is how in God's name did you manage to write a book and like do your degree and um like you were racing bikes all at the same time, weren't you? Yes. How how yeah, um what, good question. Um I think the simple short answer is that some of those areas suffered. Um and actually at the time it was my training that really took a hit so the majority of my writing was done during like the second year of my degree and I my first year I didn't take as seriously as I wish I'd now had I was enjoying uni I was enjoying kind of the freedom to ride my bike and train and not that I was not going to lectures or anything but I wasn't like 100% committed to getting a really good grade but in my second year, I decided I actually wanted to work hard at it. Um, and that then became difficult because I also decided I wanted to write a book. So I ended up, yeah, my my training ended up suffering, which 
and I think that's what ultimately led me, led me to stop cycling and fall out of love with it a bit, but ultimately land on triathlon, which is, you know, been a, been a happy journey in the end, but um, it was, it was a tough kind of year and a half because it was the hardest I've ever worked. It was, I'd probably say harder than the cycle, the ride itself in obviously in a very different way, but yeah, I, I spent pretty much every waking minute for a long time, either thinking about a degree or thinking about my book. And at the time, the book was still a priority. So although I worked my degree, it wasn't like it wasn't like I got um, 100% and everything. It was kind of, I ended up just doing an adequate amount of work on that and then everything else on on the book. <laughs> I, I, I have so much respect for you for doing that. So much. Oh, thank you. So Tom, how'd you go from riding bikes and bike racing to falling out of love with it to then mm. throwing yourself into the world of swim bike run yeah it's uh it's an interesting transition because so I was at Loughborough and I think ultimately the falling out of love with it because I started racing bikes at uni so I was I was actually a latecomer to racing and when I finally got there it was um I wasn't bad but I was kind of like whoa this is a completely different sport you know racing crits compared to going on a weekend ride with your your dad and his mates is is very very different and yeah I had I had the base level fitness from obviously riding 100 miles a day every day for six months but it it just was something very new to me and I would say that over the next couple of years I I got okay but I didn't immediately get become as good as I wanted to be and then when I started writing my book and training dropped off at the time I didn't really realize that my training dropped off because because I was working so hard in other areas and mentally I was still trying to fit training in I often didn't realize that I actually wasn't and and I didn't have a coach at the time who maybe would have made me realize that but when I started underperforming at races and kind of doing worse than I had the previous year it yeah I just really I really struggled with that and and the appeal of Ironman or like the Ironman distance had always been there in the back of my mind it kind of um it was something I'd always wanted to try and it was kind of like oh maybe if I ever get kind of leave cycling behind that's something I can do and you know, that process ended up happening a lot sooner than I expected. But I kind of, yeah, I just I just stopped enjoying racing bikes. And one race, I kind of, I didn't do well. And I took a break. And I went back a couple of months later to, like, one of my teammates dropped out. So they needed a, a someone to fill the spot a couple of months later. So I was like, oh, I'll come do it. Like, get back into it. And I just spent the whole race at the back being basically terrified of crashing and didn't want to be there. And after that, I was like, I'm done with this. And I just, it was like flicking a switch. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just immediately, I wasn't ready to give up though. I think um, for better or worse, I still craved some sort of validation from sports and from sports performance and especially being in um you know being in Loughborough and the sporting environment there whilst I loved it it also I don't know I guess it 
you're surrounded by such good people you if you're not at that level you can feel a bit inferior and I really wanted to be better than I was so I wasn't when although I kind of turned my back on cycling I wasn't ready to just give up on sport and just immediately basically 100% committed to triathlon even though I hadn't really ever swum and hadn't run in quite a lot of years um and 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 then you basically went from being a pro sorry from being a total beginner to being pro within the space of four years I think it's four years yeah so um 2019 I did my first triathlon and then I earned my pro license at the end of last which is 2022 um so four triathlon seasons yeah and you know swim's still a work in progress and now that I've jumped up from the age group to pro levels it's uh, still apparent but we're working on it <laughs> and right. very much enjoying it so that's good well, that, that that is the key word there very much enjoying it but why why a pro triathlete uh as opposed to what being an engineer oh um i've always wanted to do this kind of thing and when i left uni although i although i enjoy engineering it's not what really excites it does excite me but not in the same way that i feel like sports of this kind is a real passion of mine like there's nothing else i'd rather be doing so when i left uni and i kind of i had the opportunity it was also covid year so there weren't many jobs going around i had the opportunity to keep training i think the fact that i'd shown progression year on year you know although i wasn't yet at the level I am now I'd shown that progression and I kind of had for me enough enough to work on enough to justify going for it if that made sense and I had the support of some amazing parents which I've already mentioned and they they have been behind me throughout everything I've done and I couldn't I wouldn't be here without them obviously and yeah when when I had when I had the ability to kind of keep training post uni and give it a go it was it was a no-brainer for me because it's everything I've always wanted really what what in particular was there do you remember watching I don't know the Olympics when you were like eight years old or 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 something like that I gosh um I I don't know I when I was a kid I I always said like I don't know when you're a kid you get asked what you want to be when you grow up and I uh, I think my go-to answer was always just like, I don't really know but I don't know what I don't want a desk job and I had at the time I had no idea what that meant and I still don't really know if it makes any sense at all um, but I think I always wanted to be some kind of if I could do sport for a living that was that was the goal and when I found cycling it was if I can ride my bike for a living you know it doesn't have to be racing and winning the Tour de France it's just if you can do that as a very good means to an end in terms of riding bikes so yeah for me still it's finding a way to you know swimming cycling and running is when I'm most happiest so that's what I'm trying to do is find a way that I can I can make that my day-to-day I guess and a very a rude question really but how do you make it work financially when you only have just turned professional mm. so I um I mean parents number one are still supporting me and and like I'm in their house now um which is a big help 
sponsors, although they don't cover everything, but I was very lucky to be selected to be on the TTL, uh, that triathlon life development team this year, which, you know, it's not a, a huge financial uh, salary, but it's a really nice bonus and a great thing they're doing for the sport. So sponsors like them, I also have a couple of others who came on board this year and have given me a little something, which always, like every little helps going towards everything. Um, and then the idea is also I'm working under my coach, coaching some other people, although that hasn't, I haven't done loads of that at the minute, but um, before I got my pro license, that was kind of my goal for 2023 was if I was still trying to make that next step, then it would be coaching that financed everything. If that makes sense, if I've answered that clearly, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, absolutely. I want to know more about the development squad and a tick, but you, I think you said before, you are enjoying it, right? You, you are loving, loving just the lifestyle of it. I love it. I, I could not really be happier. I don't think there's any other way to say it. It's um, yeah. I wake up looking forward to each day. So. Yeah, what else could you want, really? <laughs> and I think you know, ultimately, if this if this comes to nothing, then you know it will be a shame. But I'll just be glad that it happened for the little bit that I got to experience it, and that's um, yeah, the approach I'm trying to take. I like that attitude. So the development <laughs> squad, right? That's yes. obviously under Paula Finley and um, Eric Lagerstrom with um, mm -hmm. that triathlon life. So what what? What does it actually involve being in that squad? So I think, um, I mean, I think uh, it's tricky because I'm wearing their kit. I guess that's um, the main thing is they're kind of, they sponsor me, they're paying me to wear their kit and represent their brand. I guess that's what it boils down to. Um, I think because it's a first year thing they're doing, in fact, and it was very, it was very late to come out this year as well. I'm not actually sure when, because I get confused with months because everything blurs into one, but it, maybe it happened in March, but I'd already secured some other sponsorship and secured a tri-suit for the year by the time they even announced that this was going to be a potential thing. So it was quite late, and I think both the athletes and them are kind of figuring out what it is and what it could be. But uh, the idea is that they yeah, support us a little bit financially and then offer advice on any questions we have and you know if we have other sponsorship contracts come through as an example they can look at them and give us their expertise and you know the the area that I really want to learn from them is kind of the marketing side and how I can be of service to brands because that is ultimately what is going to fuel this going forward and they are they are very good at that you know, if you follow their podcast or their YouTube channel and well, just anything they do, they're extremely well versed in the marketing side of the sport. And it's however you feel about that. It, I don't think it needs to be a negative. I know a lot of people dislike social media, but I think it when done right, it can be a real positive and can help emphasize uh, the impact you have on the sport. So I think it um, can be an incredibly useful tool. And that's yeah, the area that I really want to learn from them and feed off their expertise. And I guess as well as being within this development squad, there's also this element mm -hmm. of mentorship then as well from Absolutely. From 
yeah absolutely and it's um yeah i think it's developing because they are very busy people obviously as well as being world-class athletes they're they're running this team and doing all their social media stuff and podcasting and youtubing and it's um as i think everyone's trying to kind of figure out where the time goes if that makes sense and where they can find the time but it's uh very exciting to be a part of and i feel privileged and the community that they've built you can feel is incredible incredibly supportive and yeah it, it's quite surreal to be a part of actually what would you like to achieve within the world of triathlon well um i haven't really set myself goals like that to be perfectly honest um because as i said my goal is kind of just to figure out a way to keep doing this for a living and that's what makes me happy and i'm a competitive person and obviously i'd love to win the world champs but i think yeah for me to come in and set that as set my sights on that is in my first year is probably setting myself up for disappointment um or more likely than not setting myself up for disappointment so uh my goals for this year although they weren't strict were to reach the top 250 in the pto rankings and uh, retain my pro license they were the two main performance-based goals there were other goals around gaining experience and having fun but I've already ticked off both those goals so to do that in the first within the first four pro races I'm really happy about and it's kind of taken the pressure off the rest of the year so now I can kind of keep learning maybe race a bit harder and if I blow up then you know say la vie I've learned a lesson but it doesn't my season shouldn't hinge too much on the performances to come because I've I've ticked those goals and yeah ultimately it'd be nice to keep progressing and I have my sights set on moving up the PTO rankings but I'm not in a hurry because I don't think I can be you know with um only four years or five years of swimming it's like I think and the way that pro racing dynamics work I think it's um I've got to be patient really there's no there's no easy kind of fix for that. Are you any good? Are you good at being patient, Tom? Um, I have. It's something I've learned. I think it was. Um, I would say historically no, but it's something that I've really tried to practice. And when I so after uni, I started working with my current coach, and you know, one of the things he instilled into me was actually I'll, I'll go backwards when after cycling around the world when I was at uni my training was very unstructured and often probably detrimental to my own performance because I wouldn't do much and then I'd go out and do like an eight hour ride because that's what made me tick and that's what I wanted to do and then obviously I'd put myself in a bit of a hole and probably not perform as well as I could and I'd do that semi-regularly so yeah my training was not that big but punctuated by really kind of stupid days and what I've now obviously learned and tried to practice is the consistency and stringing together not massive weeks but big weeks back to back to back to back for months on end because it's not yeah it's not the hero days that make the difference it's the consistency day after day week after week and ultimately year after year and when I first started working with my coach after uni that was 
I think one of the keys he really tried to instill in me, this is not a one-year process. It's not even a three-year process. You know, we're looking a long way down the line here. And, you know, I'm willing to I'm willing to take that chance. And I think once once I accepted that and embraced it, ticking off each day consistently is now actually what excites me more. So I think I've learned to practice patience and and now it's something I guess I am fairly good at and willing to accept. And I think enjoying the process, which I absolutely do, is a big part of that because it makes it much easier. One thing just about enjoying the process, I would mm. love to know, let's say you go into a, a big race and mm-hmm. you good chance that you don't currently win it yeah yeah how do you marry that up with that idea of i want to be the best and then not winning and this Mm. you can say to me it's not all about the winning because i i saw someone the other day saying why do people always think it's about the winning why you know what's bad about an eighth place for example what's bad about Mm -hmm. a 20th place i would love to know your thoughts on that like, how do you go into that race knowing, like, well, I'm not going to win? Yeah, I think it, um, I think it's changed from last year to this year. So my last race uh, in 2022 was 70.3 Cathcice as an age grouper. And I won the overall age group race. And had I not won that, I might have been a bit disappointed and felt a different way about it. Um, so I guess it depends where your expectations are, I would say, and that I guess probably can apply to a lot of things in life. You know, it's reality versus expectations in terms of heading into a race with lower expectations. I, at the moment, try not to focus on the result and a good result is a bonus and focus more on the process and how I execute each race and, I think that's my goal for every race at the moment. And even actually last year, it was still often the case as I would go in hoping just to execute a good performance and deliver on the fitness that I believe I have. And that's ultimately what I strive for. And I think, I think in triathlon with how many moving parts there are, it's very, very rare that anyone has a perfect race. So maybe don't quite expect that, but, striving to get as close to that as possible is kind of what I aim for if I get to the end and feel like I couldn't have gone any faster today you know I think that's a good day with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You have a very, very good blog, by the way, on your website. Thank you. And you're very honest, I think, in it, but you're also very reflective in it. And I was having a read through it and it it came across, not in a bad way, but it came came across a slight therapy in terms of processing some of your mm. thoughts and getting them down on paper. You're very honest in reflecting on the bike racing while you're at uni and just saying that, you know, you'd seen your attempt at it at failure or mm-hmm. on another blog you were talking about overcoming the internal struggle is what builds us as athletes. So it seems like you're very mm-hmm. aware of yourself. I'd like to think so. Obviously, um, cycling around the world, I spent a lot of hours with myself and no one else. Um, I, yeah, I talked about it in my book and I didn't use music at all on that ride around the world. So it was a lot of hours of silence in my own head. I would like, so I would like to think I'm at least partially self-aware and I think you really hit the nail on the head is my, my blog is um, something I really enjoy when I do it, but I don't update it as often as I would like to. But a lot of the, the things I have written are exactly that. It's me trying to come to grips with what I'm feeling and how I'm, yeah, and why I'm feeling certain things because and for whatever reason, writing them down and getting, I think getting the thoughts in my head into a succinct enough fashion that someone else can understand it is a great way for me to clear it up in my own head as well. So I absolutely do think that, yeah, you're right in saying that. I think, I think, I think you're going down the retro route, but it's great. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, cause I, um, I've questioned how much uh, time I've put into it as well, because those, I guess you could say the reflective bits I've written, they take me a long time to process. <laughs> um, very potentially an embarrassing amount of time. And the I mean it's it's worth it because I enjoy it and ultimately it helps me. But going forward it's I kind of met, have made the decision recently that it's not it hasn't presented itself as uh, a viable means to kind of engage with people if all I'm thinking about is uh, offering value to sponsors and getting people to engage with my brand because yeah the time and return is it doesn't quite marry up so that's and that's why like people prefer YouTube and that's fine I prefer YouTubers as, as a consumer as well like I don't really read blogs so I'm not going to sit here and complain that no one reads mine or like not many people read mine because I do the same it's just the way the world works and yeah, so I, I don't know if I necessarily see myself as going down a retro route because I'm not trying to push my blog on anyone. It's just sometimes when I want to write something, I'll write something and post it there. Are there plans at some point? You've probably been asked this many, many, many times, but <laughs> would would you love to do another round the world on your bike, but with, you know, 10 more years of life experience under your belt? Or do you actually really just love the fact that you were naively ambitious about it yeah I um I've I've generally always said no I think if I was 
I think also the uh, the world of kind of ultra endurance has really changed since I did that when it was eight years ago. And, you know, now 200 mile gravel races are almost mainstream and people are doing bike. Everyone's doing bikepacking in it. Um, it's very much changed. Not that that puts me off. It's just um, it seems like a very different challenge to what it did back then. But in terms of doing it again, if someone if someone said you have to cycle around the world again, I've kind of always said I have no regrets about how I rode it the first time and I wouldn't change anything about that. But if I was going to do it again, I would either go a lot slower and really admire or take in as much culture and visit as many places as possible and, you know, probably spend two years doing it rather than six months. Or I would try to do it really fast. And my first trip was kind of a a hybrid of those two. But if I was going to have to do it a second time, it would be one of those extremes. Um, but I think the reality is that the, the logistics of cycling around the world and the fact that it really is such a long way, I think uh, something slightly different would be on the cards if I was going to do another similar kind of challenge. It, it, I don't think it would be the world, though. <laughs> Do you, do you think you could still do some kind of, do you think you would be able to mix the, that idea of like epic challenges and being a professional triathlete? I think it depends how good a triathlete you want to be. I think if you want to be world champion, no. I don't, I don't personally think they go together well enough. Maybe it, it depends on the scale of each. So I think, you know, if you want to, try to break the record for Lands End to John O'Groats, you know, you can yeah. probably fit that in. But if you want to try to cycle around the world in record time, that's going to take a lot out of you and probably wreck your body for over a year, I would guess. So I think it, yeah, I think there's got to be compromise. And I think if you want to do something really well, you've really got to commit to that. I believe that in every walk of life, I think, it, you know, you can definitely combine things, but as I said, right in my book, it was um, the other aspects of my life did suffer. And uh, that's what I've learned that I, yeah, if you're going to commit to something, I think you've really, you've got to commit to it 100%. And that's kind of what I'm doing. What I'm trying to do with triathlon now is I don't know if, um, if pro triathlon in the way that I'm doing it now is going to be my future for the next 10 years. But I believe that getting better at triathlon and seeing how far I can go right now is the right path for me to to be on mm, yeah it's exciting tom it's very exciting thanks <laughs> thank you so. for thank you for chatting and massive massive doses of good luck <laughs> thank you no thank you so much for having me on it's uh it's an honor given the other guests that you've had on as well thanks for listening to the inside try show if you want to get in touch or get a little bit more information on anything, then reach out to Helen on Instagram or Twitter at Inside Try Show. We will come to your news before we wrap up this week's episode. But someone who got in touch with me recently is pro triathlete Lydia Dant. She wanted to tell you more about the fact that she is launching a scholarship opportunity using her PTO bonus prize money. So this scholarship is being funded by the bonus money that I received last year from the PTO, so the Professional Triathlon Organisation, for my world ranking uh, place. 
So what I'm doing is I'm reinvesting this money back into another athlete's journey. And I'm looking for an athlete who is either an early career pro or maybe an aspiring pro, which is who are on trajectory sort of in the next 12 to 18 months to, to achieve their pro license. And the uh, scholarship is being like run by Passion Fit Coaching in partnership with Train Exhale. So it's awesome to have, have them on board as well to support us with this opportunity. And it's for an athlete um, to have their full coaching support through Passion Fit. Amazing. And what like, so what what do they get and what do they have to do almost in return so this is where it's quite interesting um they get a lot in terms of the actual input and it's not like your typical um oh you're going to get a free wetsuit and like this percentage discount this that and the other that's not what this scholarship is about this is about the athlete receiving their coaching support through passion fit and what i must caveat is that it's a partially funded scholarship and this will be on like a means tested basis. Um, so it could be as 99% funded. It could be that it's like 80%, right? And the reason for that is that for me, it's really important that an athlete also invests in their journey. Um, we've had instances before where we've tried like run, run scholarship opportunities, equivalent, seen other athletes and um, like sort of coaching companies do the same. And when someone isn't invested in it in such a way, like they've made the like they they've created that platform for themselves to invest in it. They're not as invested in themselves, so that's why it's really important. Like I have always paid for my coaching, and I always will because it's really important that I make that investment in myself. So that's why it's a partially funded scholarship. And again, like that, you can be creative with how you sort of bridge that. We appreciate loads of people are in different opportunities. So don't be put off by that. See it as an opportunity to be creative. Think about how you could bridge that gap if you think it's going to be be a concern. So don't let that be a blocker. But what does it include? So this will include the same level of support that any athletes at Passion Fit um, would receive. So this is one-to-one coaching and this input will be led by Tom. They'll also have access to the, if they're UK-based, so this can be for anyone who's UK-based or, or abroad, if they're UK based, well, they're also welcome if they're abroad, they can come and use the Passion Fit Studio. So that includes the endless pool, the um, all the facilities with the watt bikes that we have here, but doesn't mean that they would miss out if they can't come here physically. We run a lot of our stuff online. So the athletes will be able to be included in those. We run a weekly Q&A as well um, and have content on, on our internal Facebook pages. They'd have a lot of support. And this is why it's different. This is why we're not saying we're going to give away like a free wetsuit with it, etc. They'd have support on how to actually manage a professional career and how to create a sustainable lifestyle within elite sports. I think there's this misconception that you, you go along, you get your pro license, and then suddenly you'll be kind of sitting up on your feet and <laughs> that'll be kind of it. Like opportunities will come flocking just because you've got your pro license. And it's it's not essentially what you are, and this is kind of what we see it. And so I'm kind of trying to move away from that term professional athlete into more like just elite athletes, if that makes sense. Because professional comes with that um, association that you'll be like on a salary. Like we're over like doing middle distance and full distance triathlon on an elite license. You're essentially a freelance athlete, aren't you? Um, because I'm under no illusion that you're not realistically unless you're in that top ten. In the, in the world 
you, you're not going to be able to make enough money to live out of just prize money. Um, it's a lovely idealistic notion, but reality is really, really different. Is that one of the reasons and your own experiences over the last year as to why actually you feel that you want to do this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Because I mean, I've been so, so fortunate. Like, I have no background in in elite sport I'm like totally naive to it I'm really lucky that Tom's got a really long background in elite sport through his experiences um historically and has been able to help him guide me through this and yeah like if I was doing this on on my own like I wouldn't really have an idea about what's kind of realistic but also how to create opportunities for me and that's why it's like it's really important because I'm like the more I've gone into like the the season and met more athletes you kind of realize that it's not and not everyone's got the same level of support and so I think I've just been in that where I've got such a wonderful environment around me like I've this that realization that other people don't have that same level of support so actually this is the way that I can create an opportunity for someone to have that um because so many opportunities have been created for me and like it was really important that when I received this bonus money I was a bit uncertain about what to do with it because it didn't feel right to me to not put it back into the sport in a way that I felt would add value. And that, the reason for that was that, like, with my experiences, I thought the PTO would be doing more to support athletes, especially in that grassroots stage, and making bridging that gap early on in their career. And kind of the more insight I had and became a bit more savvy to it, I kind of could see that that wasn't, that mission statement wasn't being fulfilled. I can't change everything, but what I can do is use the means I have available to me to make a small difference. Um, and that's why I wanted to use this, because I felt like that would help. If it just helps one person, which is, is all that I've got the means to do right now, then that's absolutely incredible. So, yeah. Fab. Uh, and the other thing you want to do is mentoring as well for uh, 18 to 23 year olds. Yes. So that's that's an initiative that I launched. That's why I'm kind of using this summer to get all of these things off the ground. So with the scholarship opportunity and the mentoring for 18 23 year olds, um, that is being launched for free. Um, I realise it's a really tricky time at that sort of point. And this isn't just mentoring for like the athletic side. This is like personal and professional. Um, like my background, I've been through um, like the sixth form system. I've gone to university, I've done undergraduate. I've worked in... Uh, FTSE 100 company I've done a master's so I'm kind of savvy to like retrospect's a really brilliant thing isn't it and those decisions that you might make um are always going to be different and it's just being able to provide support for someone who's looking at that like personal professional athletic piece all three combined just to give that guidance to um and thinking actually do you know if I'd have had I'm not saying me because I'm not saying I'm a perfect role model but like someone like me or like Tom where he's been able to mentor and guide me, I just want to be able to do that for someone else as well. Um, but yeah, anyone can can get in touch with me about that. And again, Brit- British or any anywhere around the world for that mentor? Anywhere, I mean, anywhere around the world um, yeah. for that, because that can be done virtually and remotely. So it's yeah, entirely open to anyone at all. And plans for a team as well. What's this? Yeah, so this is this is a new one. So um, just quite recently, uh, looking to launch a Passion Fit and Train Exhale race team. This would include the scholarship athlete as well. 
And what I'm looking to do is to bring together a group of athletes who are looking to unlock as much of their potential as they can. It can be age group, aspiring pro, already on pro. It doesn't matter. What I want to do is have a team that are turning up to races together and helping to use each other in a way to unlock more of their potential. What I feel, and like, is sport is really, really powerful if it's used constructively. And like, one of the first questions I ever asked, I asked Tom actually, when I first took, when, my, when I made my pro debut. And I was like, it felt really different turning up at the start line. And I asked the question, I was like, am I racing with or against? And that's what I want to create is that feeling of racing with and having the other people, because I feel like if you're racing in the, with that mindset and with others, you'll probably actually get way more out of yourself than you ever could if you're racing against. So that's what I want to create is a team who are turning up, racing with like performance edge to it, but trying to showcase what they're doing, share their journeys, inspire others, and just have that impact of triathlon is an individual sport. But you know what? You can do this as a team and you'll probably get a heck of a lot more out of yourself as a result of that feeling. And if anyone is interested in the scholarship, the mentoring, or finding out more about the trade team, what should they do? Where should they go? Well, get in touch with me. So I'm I'm on Instagram, um, Lydia Dance. Drop me an email at lydia at passionfitting.co.uk. Um, just get in touch, just reach out I'm on Facebook. So all of the normal social media streams. So yeah, so get in touch with us, um, either myself or Lauren through Passion Fit Coaching or through my own social media platforms. That is Lydia Dant. Big shout outs to two particularly big ones. One to Rianne. She said, 20 years on from my first triathlon imbued, I have completed competed sorry, at every distance. So well done, Rianne. She did Ironman Vittoria Gastes. So yep. Round of applause there. And then the other big shout out is to Stephen, long term time listener of the podcast, who has been back out on his bike after a really, really horrible accident earlier this year. So Stephen, well done for taking your rehab to the next level. Uh, And it really made me smile actually seeing the photo of you back out on your bike in beautiful Scotland. So yeah, I hope that the rehab continues to go well and you can get stronger and obviously build your confidence as well back up on the bike so yeah well done sarah has done a 10k race team hilton have had fun on dartmoor lowry has been paddling in tembi as in paddling on a kayak rather than just you know getting wet feet probably lots of us actually have had wet feet recently because the uk summer is well and truly upon us we have had wet barbecues wet walks rain rain more rain. I had a thick fleece on yesterday. <laughs> Claire, you said I did a very wet middle distance race at the Epic Man by Ellswater. I should have cycled in my wetsuit. And after recent injury and the horrendous weather, I was just glad to get to the finish line. I was fifth female, second in my age group, but it was just a day of survival. And it was one of the hardest races I have ever done. The medal was very well earned. Eva and Karen... They were both on the turbo. I was on the turbo. Mark and David were on the turbo. Kay was on the turbo down under. Kath, you said, I'd have loved a turbo option for this carnage adding to my DNF collection. So Kath sent me a video from a sailing race that I think the, 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 the plug was pulled early, basically. 
and the conditions looked brutal. Like, you know, when you see sailing races and the boats are, you know, completely over on the side and the waves are bashing against it it was like that I would not have wanted to be on that boat um so yeah well done Kath (laughs) and then um Tegan Tegan I bet you're in the sunshine she said does parkrun count yes Tegan parkrun always counts by the way for training um and you said yeah if I get up early enough I go to Elliot Head's parkrun this is in Queensland in Australia by the way uh she said it's really nice all along the foreshore As for me, I am going to be going to Parkrun this coming Saturday. So looking forward to that. It's 5k your way day. So that's always a good day, guaranteed. Uh, I have been open water swimming. I have been swimming. So last week, all of my swimming was done completely with a pool boy. Uh, The open water swim I did at the weekend, good news, didn't have a pool boy in for that. So that means I could kick in the open water. Yay. I did 3k in the pool this morning and I probably had to use a pool boy for, I don't know, half of it, maybe a bit more, maybe two thirds, but that's so much better. So this is good. So the pelvis is definitely improving. I haven't been running still. Um, and again, I I don't intend to this week. I'm going to stick with the cross trainer. That's been absolutely fine. I've just been putting my headphones in, putting the tunes on, kind of having a bit of a dance but you know concentrating on what I'm doing absolutely loving it and then yeah riding is still okay but I was I would like to have been out on my bike rather than on the turbo I forgot how horrible it is in the summer when you just really it's just a bit hot and sweaty really isn't it I mean it's always hot and sweaty but it's hotter and sweatier than um than in the winter so there we go cracking on all good so that is it for this week thank you for all of the support and always for listening it is much appreciated happy racing happy training and we will catch up again next week sports social podcast network step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply